Welcome to the Church for Dummies podcast, where we explain church history and ecclesiology to dumb people like us. Now here are your hosts, Josh Whitney and Isaac Thibodeau. We're back at it. Part two. Part two of Church Through Church Through the Ages. Church Through the Ages. Church Through the Ages. Dude, why are we doing podcasts? We should just be writing songs. All right, dude, end it. End this recording right now, and we will break into what it's like to be the best singers in the world. Yeah. Ready, set, all right. Done. We don't, we're not going to talk about church anymore, guys. You're just going to hear us sing. <clears throat> Maybe we should just do the podcast. Maybe we should. Okay. I think so. so All right. Yeah. This yeah. is fantastic. What's so what's good, man? What's good? What's good? Tell me. What's good, man? Not the church in the Middle Ages. Not the ch- <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because of all the forceful conviction and the and the killing and the what? that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what we're gonna be talking about. And today, the man. crazy expansion of of holiness in the worst possible meaning mm. in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. Gotcha. It's basically in our last episode. Yeah. We talked about how <laughs> we, we talked about just, nothing, <laughs> nothing. <clears throat> well, I'll just cut that part out. Gotcha. So basically in our last episode, we talked about the church government. We talked about, how the church expanded mm-hmm. and how the church evangelized through the first six centuries, essentially. Yeah. And we skipped a lot of big stuff, but yeah, I mean, we're looking to see like big picture what happened in the church from when Christ ascended um, to where we are now. I mean, there's tons of stuff we can go into. What happened with this particular bishop? What did this particular church do in this time? Right. And um, we are very excited to dive into that. This, however, we just kind of want to go through what church looked like throughout the years. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, now we're going to cover the Middle Ages, like we already just discussed, um, going from uh, just before the beginning of the 7th century, so 590, and then we're going to stop, um, not this episode, but the Middle Ages stopping right before the Reformation, 1517. A wonderful, fantastic year that we'll get to in a second. Um, Because we're biased, of course, (laughs) because hashtag Protestants. Hashtag Protestants, Um, which is fun. The word Protestant has, anyways, we'll get, we'll dive into that. I won't, I won't give it all away now, oh. but I'm very excited about, I just thought Protestant meant not Catholic up until like a couple of years ago. I, I, that's when I really started to realize like why it's called Protestant. If it meant not Catholic, we would just be called not Catholic, not Catholic. <laughs> right. Right. But I never gave it much thought. So anyways, we'll dive into okay. that later. Yeah, now yeah, we're going to yeah. focus on the beginning. Okay. Um, not the beginning of, cause we, like we saw before, we, we were in terrible persecution, right? Um, and then within one year promoted in the entire empire mm-hmm. and that started the gears turning, um, a, a little more church history, a little more order, more authority, things being, di- uh, di- uh, you know, divvied up, things being looked into closer. And now we find ourselves here in 590. Um, so what do we see? Because we're going through three questions. How was the church governed? 
How was the church expanded and how was the church witnessing? So let's dive in. What, how was the church governed here as we get into this first, uh, this next part of church history? Yeah. So there's a couple things we want to keep in the background of our minds as we're thinking about the Middle Ages. So out of all of the sections we've talked about so far, the Middle Ages is definitely the longest one. It's almost a thousand years. It's about yeah. 590 to 1517. So uh, it's a long period of time. And obviously, we're going to be generalizing a lot here to cover this period of time. But uh, something that's important to note mm-hmm. is when we're talking about the church government here yeah, in this area. We're talking about one particular church because that's all that exists. Sorry. Right. We're talking about the the Catholic Church, the unified church. And when we say that, it's in dis, in contrast to a divided church, which is what we see now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and and even when we say divided church, we mean that practically speaking, there are people that identify as Christians that that disagree with each other on doctrine and have formed their own organizations of churches still holding to a common some sort of lowest common denominator creed yeah. whether that be the nicene creed or whatever um so we see that now and that's called denominationalism which mm-hmm. that'll be something we talk about later yes. but but at this period of time there's just one church there's either your orthodox meaning you believe the teachings of the church the yeah. creeds the nicene creeds and uh the the different councils of the churches and all that. Important thing to keep in the back of our minds, though, during this period of time, mm-hmm. is the increasing tension between the eastern part of the empire and the western part of the empire. Okay. Because what's going on, something we didn't mention in the last episode, Constantine changed the capital of the Holy Roman or the Roman Empire wasn't the Holy Roman Empire yet, but right. changed the capital of the empire from Rome to Constantine, or it would have been Byzantine, yeah. Byzantium, Byzantium at that point. Um, then he changed the name to, to Constantine. Constantinople. Constantinople. He was Constantine. <laughs> ah, thank you, Josh. I don't know what I'd do without you. Um, I know. <laughs> but so that caused a lot of tension because, of course, the more political political attention is going to Constantinople, but the yeah. ecclesiology, ecclesiological attention is going to Rome because of the bishop in Rome, which eventually becomes known as the Pope. So you got this tension being um, like between the East and the West, and it's growing and growing and growing. And what we see with the church government is during this period of time, the Pope really comes to power. The Roman bishop, Bishop of Rome, really comes to a head and eventually in the Middle Ages becomes basically the ruler of the world, the known world, that the, the, the one that was um, oh, at least part of the empire anyways. There's obviously parts of the world where it wasn't colonized by Christianity. Gotcha. Um, but nonetheless, the Pope was like the bee's knees. He was the main guy. So um, we're seeing a political rise in Constantinople a church spiritual rise in the east but a more politically christian power rising in the western rome 
Yeah, yeah. Like as far as the church government is concerned, the Pope yeah. was really like in the West, he was really gaining priority and he had the final say on matters like different matters of doctrine and he was the guy who had the final say at councils and whatnot. And the East became increasingly allergic to that sort of thing. They just didn't like it. They mm. they didn't give as much credence to um, the Bishop of Rome. And of course, I'm generalizing here. Yeah. Um, but these are all things that led up to the schism, the great schism of 1054, where this is where the, the divide between what we know as Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox happened. It schism had been developing for for years and years and years prior but this is where the official schism happened so so the tension was building it's yeah. not in 1054 if you're like well we should probably split right like there was there yeah. was growing like already it was already happening split. yeah gotcha. they were already practically s- split yeah but this is just kind of official so we need to make that distinction because during this time in the west the roman catholic church it the government is the pope Mm-hmm. And underneath him, it's, it's like a hierarchy. There's the Pope and then the bishops. Yep. And then the priests of the individual, you know, uh, churches and, you know, and then all the the lay people and, and whatnot. So there's that. And then in the East, you, after the schism, it's, it's very different. It's, they actually kind of went almost back to what we looked at last time, where it's bishops as the, the main authority but it's plurality of bishops. So essentially, you have a bishop, which is a pastor that's over the churches in a certain region. So he has the, the final, like he's, he's the authority in regional churches. And then collectively, all the bishops together come together for councils or whatever, and they together are the authority, but no one bishop has more authority over the other. In contrast to Rome, where the Roman bishop had more authority over the others. Gotcha. So, so that's the distinction we got to make. Now, a uh, common misconception about Eastern Orthodoxy is they, they do have what's called the Patriarch, who is the bishop of uh, Constantinople. And mm-hmm. he, or at least at the time, that's, that's what it was. And he was called the Patriarch, but that was more of a position of honor rather than authority. So the patriarch, okay. even now in Eastern Orthodoxy, doesn't have more authority over the other bishops. He just has kind of like more more honor. He's looked up to more, but he has the okay. same authority as the other. So, um, so that's just an important distinction to make because as Protestants, it's really easy to lump Eastern yeah. Orthodox and Catholic. In fact, they we don't really know much about Eastern Orthodox. And right. Protestantism. It's kind of the mysterious. Except for Hank Hannity. Right. Yeah. Hank. <laughs> Hanagraph. Hanagraph. No, <laughs> not <Hank> Sean Hannity. Hannity. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Hannity is not Eastern Orthodox. Sorry, I'm getting my politics and religion mixed up. Just like they did. Just like they did. See? It's all coming together. So fast. So fast. <laughs> the theme of church history is, wow, that was fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so true. But yeah, so, so that's basically it. Um, the Pope in the West, bishops in the East. Gotcha. So that's the government. So for a while, it looked, it looked more like the Eastern Church was going back to what was right, and the Western Church was progressing and developing and changing and morphing. 
Yeah, I mean, and of course, as Baptists, we wouldn't even say what the Eastern Church did was right. It was right. just more right. It was a little, it was better. <laughs> it was wrong yeah. in a slightly better way than the <laughs> Western Church I would totally did rather have the Eastern Orthodox Church government than... You heard it the, here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isaac is... Anyways, we should probably move on. Yeah, we should move on. So question two then, how was the church uh, expanding in this time? With this schism and change and more power, what did the church look like as far as expansion? Yeah, so again, because during this period of time in, we're looking at a primarily a political expansion. So because the church was so integrated with the culture, to be a citizen was to be a Christian. There really wasn't the kind of expansion we saw earlier through persecution and um, evangelism and whatnot. It's primarily a political expansion. So as governments that are in kind of infused with Christianity expand and conquer new lands. There's the Crusades, of course, things like that. Mm. Um, Then any land they conquered became, quote unquote, Christian. Mm. So, and therefore the church expanded, if you look at it that way. Now, there were definitely some some other factors to that as far as um, different monks evangelizing and uh, different attempts to reach places in the Far East, Mm-hmm. like China and Japan and whatnot. But that's all for another episode. But essentially, that's what we're looking at. It's a primarily political expansion. So you see some proselytizing. You see some yeah. mission work. Yeah. But that's not how, when you look through history and you see the numbers, you see the map of Christianity, that's not what was happening to the to expansion of this right. level. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of what we're seeing. And then... The, the third, with the third question. Yeah, that kind of leads us right into yeah, that, doesn't it? It does. It, yeah. They're very, question two and three are kind of similar. They go hand in hand, but it, they're an important distinction. With with the third question of how did the church evangelize? Well, in a lot of ways, they really didn't. <laughs> they just didn't in so right. many ways. Like, especially like the leadership, there was just, there was not an emphasis on on evangelism now of course there are different pockets and certain like popes that were really like pretty good Mm -hmm. um but there just wasn't an emphasis on reaching like unreached people groups which there certainly were at that time it was more they they more so cared about the political realm of the church and how the church related politically to things yeah and which is i think it's really messed up but that's all right but thankfully, there were some really awesome monks. Mm-hmm. Lots of different orders were started during this time, and monks ministering to the poor mm-hmm. people and preaching the word to them. And like, that's awesome stuff. Like, but this is more almost like a lay level kind of thing. Yeah. So those mon- uh, monastic orders that we talked about in the last one, very briefly. Those are what's continuing into this area. And as far as witnessing, those that's pretty much where all of the witnessing is happening. Well, as far as what we know is recorded, yeah, yeah. definitely. And then, of course, um, 
th- this kind of what I'm about to say here will kind of cue us up for the Reformation piece. Drum roll. But <laughs> but we have a lot of pre-reformers, pre-Luther mm-hmm. reformers. Um, you have John Huss, John Wycliffe, mm-hmm. and a few others that, although they weren't quite in line with what we believe in Protestant as Protestants in every way, they were challenging the authority of the Pope. They saw that the church needed to be conformed to scripture more. And in a lot of ways, kind of tilled the soil for the Reformation to be so fruitful and catch fire the way it did. Mm-hmm. And those guys were trying to convert Catholics to a more biblical view of Christianity. Um, and did it go well for them? No, it didn't. They got <laughs> they got excommunicated and and killed, burned. Yeah, burned. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty bad. Really shows. I mean, this we have. I mean, we have a much wider expanse, but that's fifteen hundred years from from Christians dying for the sake of Christ um, by the hands of the government and by the hands of the Jews and the Sadducees and Pharisees. And now, 1,500 years later, we've got Christians being killed and persecuted and becoming martyrs by the hands of the church. Yeah. It's such a... church. Right, right. Um, It's such a strange, such a strange series of events to find ourselves people being martyred by the hands of the quote unquote again we're not video recording but christian church yeah and i think a a key note to because especially as as a protestant we were looking at this like how in the world did you guys get so messed up and especially in this huge overview that we're doing right now yeah it's huge obviously there's we're you know it's there was obviously many good things that happened during this time. It's like for this thousand years, it's not like God just stopped working. Yeah. It's just that as far as like the, the popular like church government is concerned, like the popes and the bishops, like um, like a lot of these guys had some serious problems and the church as a like on the surface level was really messed up in a lot of ways and it's government and all that. But there were still really awesome stuff that was going on yeah. individually. Like the Lord was still at work. Um, even we're talking through, about the organization of yeah, the church, yeah, exactly, as a whole. Like right, for instance, right. like decades and centuries from now, if the Lord tarries, they'll be looking back at us today as the church as a whole. What was right. the church doing and not doing? It's right. kind of sad they'll see what the American church was not doing, but that's yes. what we're being looked at as a whole. Right, right, exactly. But there's so much day-to-day stuff, yeah, month-to-month stuff that... Pastors that, all yeah. around the world just proclaiming the gospel yes. to their people and helping and right. serving. And there's so much stuff in that's recorded for us in history that we just don't... Like, there's so much stuff that's not recorded in history that actually mm-hmm. happened. Exactly. So much. Yeah. Um, we kind of take that for granted now because basically everything is recorded or on Facebook or right. printed in a book somewhere. But back then, like you had to handwrite it down. Yeah. And even if you did, that copy has to survive. And um, it has to be handwritten. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Exactly. Until, oh, I'm going to mess this up. 14th, the 15th century till so. the printing press. I think so. Yeah. Yep. It was around <clears> the Reformation, <throat> anyways. That happened. But speaking of the Reformation. Ah, yes. <clears throat> That was supposed to be a drum roll, but I, I can't roll my tongue. So it just was. Bah! 
Good thing you speak English and you live in America. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be a terrible Italian. I don't really know what languages role there are or else. I think so. I think it's Italian. We should talk about that for a bit longer now. Anyways, um, yes, the like you like you were just saying, we've got a wonderful transition, um, a not transition, but a wonderful paving of the way um, between the the preaching and teaching of John Huss and Wycliffe, um, trying to bring back the importance of scripture because I think that's one of the things that was lost throughout this whole period of the Middle Ages. Was the was the more and more and more untrusting to, of the scriptures to the people? Like that should be a job for the church, mm-hmm. and th- I think that could be one of the ways we see um, this this overview. Like, how could this have all happened? A lot of it is the people didn't have access to scripture. Right, they That's weren't so able to. So true. Um, you know that. What if they got it wrong? What if they started misinterpreting things? And so that put it solely in the hands of essentially one person. Yeah. Um, and he gave authority to his bishops and his cardinals to to do that as well. But essentially the authority of scripture rested in one person. Yeah. And he dictated what could be interpreted which way. Um, but that brings us to 1517. The Post tenebrous lux. Yes. Which means... After out of, darkness. Oh, I was going to say light. out of. After darkness, light. light. Yes. Post, you know, post Latin, after. Ah. Yeah. Post tenebris lux. I thought post was before. Or post. Out of, no, pre- I said out of. <laughs> you know what? The Reformation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Reformation. Damn it. Yeah. So we start in the year 1517. Why do we start in the year 1517? That's when uh, Luther. Nailed yeah. his 95 theses. October 31st, yeah. 1517. Yeah, dude. Um, there's a wonderful podcast right now going out, by the way. Have you heard of it? Um, Luther in Real Time? Have you yes, been I listening have. to those? I've not been listening to it. So if so you oh, you haven't been listening to it? Oh man, it's great. It's uh so what they're doing is it so as it says, Luther in real time, 500 years ago to the day, they're going um through what he was doing. So it's not every day, but if something momentous happened on, for instance, I think it was December 10th was their last episode they reached, they did. So um, December 10th, 1520 um, is when Luther addressed the public in Edinburgh um, over his papal bull that he was given. He had, he had up until that day to recant and that's when he addressed the people and he burned the bull um, along with everybody else, a huge support from everyone in the, in the town. They wrote copies of the book. Anyways, we're definitely getting way ahead of ourselves. Get paid for advertising that? <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's really good. I, I would strongly recommend it that all of the episodes are less than 10 minutes pretty that's much. Cool. So it's a really great, unlike our episodes, unlike our episodes, but that's because, okay. Because of stuff like this, because of stuff like this, <laughs> we're going more in depth. They're providing a story in little bits at a time. Um, so 1517 is the introduction of Martin Luther, who was, who was a monk Mm -hmm. as far as those monks that were actually preaching and teaching the word, um, they had access to the scriptures. And so, um, Martin Luther, uh, through a strange series of events ends up as an Augustinian monk. And from there he, he 
grasps those scriptures, sees the truth in scriptures, and starts the um, just a conversation. He just wants to start a conversation with the local uh, church, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was his whole intention was here are these theses, let's debate this. And people, some people took it and started copying it and dispersing it all the way to the emperor and the pope himself. <laughs> Pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing how the Lord works. Yes. It is. <laughs> yeah. So, so with that, I mean, obviously. Oh yeah. So how the church governed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stuck in like, let's talk about Martin Luther now. <laughs> <laughs> so how did the church, so how did the church govern here? Yeah. Um, in in this Reformation so, period. So during the period of the Reformation, we have to we have to clarify a few things. So there are primarily four streams of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. There's the Lutheran stream, the um, Calvinist stream. So those who followed John yep. Calvin. Yep. Then there was the Anglican stream, so the Church of England, mm-hmm. and then there was also the Anabaptist stream. Yep. So those four, and those four are pretty much the foundations for all the other church governments that we see today to some degree or another. So I'll briefly go through those. Um, So the Calvinist church government, also called a presbytery, Mm -hmm. presbytery, um, was essentially similar to the whole bishop thing, except instead of the council of a council of bishops who are leaders over a region of certain churches a, a presbytery is instead a council of local church pastors that come together and they are kind of an organization and they you know establish other pastors and they're kind of ruling over the the churches as a whole together though as the local church pastors so it's a lot better okay than the other and from my point of view i think it's a lot better than the other other views of church government that there were yeah um it's a lot healthier it's more localized um and it's a lot more boots on the ground like the people in leadership are actually local church pastors you know they're they counsel people day in and day out so local the word a, a local church authority of local pastors. Right. But not to be confused with a um, a church, like autonomy of a local church, because it's not. Gotcha. Pres- Presbyterianism is not like that, although it might practically work out, work out like that sometimes in our modern context. But mm-hmm. basically there was a council of local pastors that were in authority over mm-hmm. the churches. That's kind of how it worked with Calvinism or Presbyterianism. Yeah. Um, and that uh in that stream. So there's there's that. Then there is the Anglican stream, which held which they used the bishop, the whole bishop sort of yep. thing. And they had they have like an archbishop and then because the King of England was so in, involved in it. In fact, the whole reason the Anglican Church exists and was a part of the Reformation is actually not a theological reason, it's a political reason. They politically, the reason they became Protestant was for political reasons, not for theological reasons. 
Which is always a good move. That's what <laughs> you want. It's always a good move. Yeah. yeah. And of course, eventually the, the theological changes came later. Yeah. Um, but so it didn't start out the greatest, but uh, those, those Brits. Not like us Baptists. No. We have a flawless, flawless. history. All theologically perfect. So let's talk about that. So Anabaptists, they are the, the other, the, the, the other, another stream. They had a, like a local church autonomy sort mm-hmm. of structure, which is very similar to Baptists mm-hmm. today. They are not like Baptists in every way. They have some other differences and many other differences. Um, but essentially that's, that's the church government. It was kind of a very local, disorganized sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they there was still unity, there were still is a lot more disorganized than the other types. Um, and then the fourth, the Lutheran. The reason I didn't start with that is because Lutheranism doesn't actually teach a particular type of church government. They're actually kind of silent on the issue. Yeah. So depending on where you are, when you are. Yeah. That's going to look different. Yeah. But there's, unlike pretty much every other denomination, the church government is a defining piece of their denomination. Right. Like if you're Baptist, you're always going to be autonomy of the local church because right. that is what it means to be Baptist. If you don't believe that, you're not a Baptist. Right. Um, same thing with being a Presbyterian. If you don't hold to the idea of the Presbytery, you're not a Presbyterian. Right. You no, know, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So. And that's where you see a ton of different range and variants in Lutheran churches today. Yeah. Oh, like there is not a single like Lutheran, like that sounds bad, but there is not, there's not the same Lutheran church everywhere you go. Like the range is anywhere from right to left to spiritualism to not and a whole bunch of stuff in between. Sure. Yeah. And it's like that with a lot of other, you know, groups too. Yeah, totally. It's, it's. Which isn't necessarily a dog. Right. on them it's right. just that's that's what you see honestly it's kind of totally nice different i think it's kind of nice in one respect yeah because you like do looking have at church history the, one side right <laughs> right from yeah from from one from a certain point of view it's it's kind of nice to see a denomination not be super strict on the government piece because it is such a complicated issue yeah it's really like not so cut and dry. We think it is as Baptists because this is all because we have known. the right system. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> it's this is all we've known, <laughs> and also it. The reason why this is my personal opinion. The reason why I think uh, the like a Baptist view of the church, the local church autonomy, is so prevalent in America mm-hmm. is because it fits perfectly with freedom. American ideals, freedom, individual liberty. Yeah. Exactly. It, it fits perfectly within the idea of American ideals. So it's yeah. very easy to be Baptist. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's, that means that the only reason someone is Baptist is because of American ideals. I personally, when I search the scriptures, think like theologically that it makes sense. Yeah. And it's biblical. Mm-hmm. However, um, I totally see the blind side of that. It's like, oh, sure. You know, like we just don't like authority. So yeah. <laughs> as soon as you tell like some uh, a Baptist what to do, I'm not saying this is what all Baptists are like, but that like, that's the thing. Like you can't tell me what to do. I'm Baptist. We have autonomy. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're living in sin though. Not can't tell me what to do. Christ. It's like, yeah, you're not, yeah, you're not autonomous to Christ. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. Cause we, we are still human. We are still 
uh, flawed. And so decisions we make can still be flawed. Yeah. So to say like, this is the denomination that is correct and only is correct. And if you go to a different denomination, you are not following Christ. Unfortunately, definitely exists. Um, I have experience with it. You have experience with it. Um, and it is a truly sad thing to see. It, it breaks your heart. <laughs> yeah, it is. Man. Yeah. So, uh, that, that's where, so now that we've gone away from American Baptists and <laughs> the different <laughs> streams of that, now let's go back to 1517 and, and to the 16th, 17th century. That's where, uh, so those splits, those, those, uh, not splits, those streams are where we get, um, a lot of the church government, um, the, uh, Anabaptists, Anglicans, Lutherans, and Presby's, uh, right. Pres, Presby. Right, which they weren't called that Calvinist. at the time. They were just called Calvinists. Calvinists, yeah. Cal- Calvinism wasn't just a, the, the the different doctrines of salvation. It was like a whole... Calvinism isn't tulip? <laughs> no, it's not only. <laughs> oh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> News for you, dude. Um, it was it was a whole system of theology gotcha. yeah. that Calvin taught. You know? Yeah. That was what it was called. And now it's kind of been minimized to, to what it is now. Should we touch... I mean, as briefly as we possibly can, the church government that brought on Reformation. Now, we, we kind of got into that a little bit by going into the Middle Ages. We talked about the four streams of government of where we are in the Reformation. Um, but like, why? Yeah. So like because of the corruption of the Pope, right? Because of the and, corruption of the Pope. Yeah. And selling of indulgences, yes, like yes. this kind of very strict, like if you want to reach salvation, potentially, these are things you have to do as a church. In order, or as a Christian, in order to do them, right. and that's the government that this Reformation came off as a split. Yes, exactly. Is there anything specific we should touch on that, other than that broad scope nope. that we just I think gave? We should move on. I think we should move on. <laughs> Why? Because we spent fifteen minutes on this one. I think so. We're very excited about <laughs> being Protestants and the Reformation. Um, so, <laughs> what? I don't think it's a secret anymore. No. <laughs> um, uh, so you're wearing a five solas. I am. Right oh my gosh. This is like the sweatshirt I wear whenever I'm not at work. I love this sweatshirt. It's such it's side note. It's not just a great sweatshirt. I I love just being able to see this all the time. The five solas, why we have faith, why we have grace. It's, it's pretty awesome. So question two, how did the church expand? Yeah. So the church expanded um so this depends on yeah. your definition of the church here how did so how did the catholic church expand so <laughs> it didn't <laughs> oh stop it sorry so the roman catholic church did not ex- really expand during this time however if from our view of things we as protestants view that the departure of of Christians from the Roman Catholic Church as a positive thing. We view yeah. that as a positive thing overall. Sorry, Catholic. Sorry, guys. If you didn't already get the hint, I mean, that's that's what we think. Yeah. Um, so when we when we say the church, we're going to be talking about people who believe the gospel is taught by Protestant theology by the the reformers. The, yeah, I guess that is a, a specific like this is yeah. a break now. Yeah. We're kind of as far as like how was the church, yada yada yada. Right. right. We're now kind of breaking off because, from that. Because remember, like there are totally individual Christians with that identified 
with the Roman Catholic Church that were Christians. There totally were, no doubt, because yeah. if if not, then you have and a thousand years of no Christians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so true. <laughs> like, if, if there weren't actual Christians within the Roman Catholic Church, then there weren't any Christians for a thousand years. Mm. Between. And we can't do it, but we're definitely going to be touching on that. Right. For we, sure. We definitely will, for sure. But... But basically, the whole, like you just said, Josh, the whole reason the Reformation came is because there were Christians in the Catholic Church, exactly. and they saw that this needs something needs to change. Yeah. So, because of that, like we have such a corruption of the institution, the institution needs to be rejected altogether, yeah. and there needs to be a like a newer like the needs the whole view of the organized church needs to be rethought through the scriptures, and the gospel needs to be clarified, and all these things. Yeah. Um. So that so that's happening, and what's happening, like the main way the church is expanding. When we say the church, we mean the biblical church, a gospel believing church, is expanding through the persecution of the Roman Catholic Church on what we view as the true church, or yeah. we'll say the Protestant church. So weird. And then the Protestant church, like they're converting. Mm. All these people to true, what we view mm. as true Christianity. You, you know, don't have to literally buy your potential yeah, means, potential exactly. like, means of salvation. The gospel is being made clear. These people who have the, the kind of the foundations of Christianity, mm-hmm. like they're hearing this gospel and they have the categories to understand it. Yeah. And then boom, they're getting saved like one after another, just all these people coming to Christ. Um We've said the term, but we haven't actually said it, that they, the message of buying your indulgence, buying a certificate that says this is one means of grace that will keep you out of purgatory longer, is that we that the Christian is saved by faith alone, right. through Christ alone. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, by grace, through faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, according to the scriptures alone yes that there is no standard that you have to match right the standard was done yes and you get to receive that righteousness yes instead of earning getting to purgatory burning off that extra sin that you have and then somehow potentially hopefully who knows making it through to god's presence and uh god's loving presence yeah yeah you mean to marry to marry <laughs> sorry <laughs> Uh, oh. Anyways, so, but yeah, so that's primarily how it expanded through persecution. Yeah. And um, through just, I mean, lots of different things, but basically that. Yeah. And then that moves us into how the church evangelized. And it really was, again, mm. like we see this, the shift to personal evangelism. Yeah. Like start, people, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. I was going to starting with the burning of like John Huss um, and, and those, and those amazing saints not caring what would happen to them standing against what people like why are you standing against god to stand for god like making that sacrifice and even martin luther at times was going am i i mean am i just picking a random fight like is all of this not important and then he i he came to a knowledge of this is absolutely important we're talking about the salvation of of men and reconciliation to yeah. god yeah and so exactly. there was a tremendous work Christ being come yeah yeah exactly it is for freedom that christ has set you free yes we're going to end up preaching yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah so the the individual witnessing of people 
within the church to people in the church to try and get them to the yeah, church. Exactly. <laughs> but we, we do have to end it on a negative note, though, when mm. it comes to this. Yeah. Because with the Reformation, mm-hmm. like I said, there was like four major streams yeah. within it. And unfortunately, Boy, that happened what fast. ended up, yeah, it's just, again, this, <laughs> like you're doing so good. And then they just fall right it's in the, the face. the theme again. of church history. Unfortunately, with the Reformation, you essentially have, remember, we had the big institution of the Roman Catholic Church. And then with the, the Reformation, now we have a bunch of smaller institutions. Yeah. That basically, it becomes political again. Yeah. The Lutheran Church is the German Church. The mm-hmm. Anglican Church is the Church in England. Yeah, the Calvinist Church was the Church in Geneva, Switzerland, yeah. and even some parts of France. And it got very political, um, very fast, and people were killed. Mm. People were. There was a story of in Geneva. There was a man who denied the Trinity, and he mm. was executed for that. Mm while John Calvin was in uh, in leadership there, whether yeah. or not he was the one who uh, decided to... Calling for it that. Yeah. through the match. That, that's the matter of yeah. de- debate, but, yeah. but nonetheless... Nonetheless, he was there. Yeah, and that was like... As so far you, as leadership, whether or not he was standing yeah. there, but like he, that was his that was his area. Like that was his... Right. I don't know. It's, authority? Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was, he was basically the ruler of that area because yeah. of... Of that, but we we see within the Reformation, even though they got the their doctrines of salvation right and and Scripture right, mm. and they clarified that they still had a lot of medieval Catholic baggage from from Rome still that they hadn't yeah they st- still needed to reform yeah and that's what we will be looking at in the next episodes and continue to see how the church kind of changed its mindset. Mm-hmm. on on things but basically at the end of the Ref- like the reformation period 1648 yeah. we still see this institutionalization and politicalization of christianity in a lot of ways it's just it's more on a smaller scale now yeah and uh from our perspective that's not good enough right well it's yeah so as far as like uh you know these small changes it um happening over time for the first, I mean, not for very long, but for a little while, Martin Luther's protest wasn't necessarily against indulgences. It was against the sale of indulgences and churches profiting off of all this. Grant, like I said, he changed his mind very quickly as as he read scriptures, but right. his first initial protest, the 95 Theses, wasn't like, hey, we shouldn't have indulgences. So this this happening over time, the the baggage that you mentioned, like it it all doesn't just it all didn't just get shed all at once. You'd be like, right. we're now the perfect church. Look at us. We've reformed everything. Right. Because um, right. it takes time to take off those layers and you know, realize that these traditions Yeah, like two thousand ish years. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Not and that we're, still, we're perfect now. Oh, far from it. Yeah. Far from it. But. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm really glad that we we get to step into church history. This is so important. I mean, the whole reason we're doing this podcast isn't like, history is kind of interesting. We should look at history. But we're looking at history and we're finding all of these areas in which the church has done wonderful, tremendous things and where the church has done horrible things 
atrocious things. And we want to bring light to those scenarios to because sh- all of this is in light of scripture. Um, anything that we see good or bad in church history isn't based off of our own ideas and views of morality, but what does scripture say about how we should look at this history? Um, what does scripture say about the Middle Ages? What does scripture say about the Reformation? Um, what as far is, as its principles. As far as principles, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can't find where scripture talks about 21st century America as much as a lot of, unfortunately, Baptists would love to, love to show and point. It doesn't. However, what does scripture show us how we should view certain things that were done in history? How do we become more like Christ off of what we've seen in our history? So uh, I hope you guys have really been enjoying this time. Isaac, have you been enjoying this time? I sure have. I've been loving this. Um, Hopefully you guys continue. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We're really glad you have. Uh, Please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review there. And next week we will continue part three, branching into Reason and New England just after the Reformation. So thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.